0: Did you know that Black and White Sports is the largest independently owned conservative sports brand in the world? We have over 125,000 subscribers on YouTube and over 39 million views. Our episodes get more views than most ESPN programming every single day. And now we have exploded on podcast. We brought our episodes to podcast for you to enjoy at work, school, in the car, on the beach. Wherever you choose to consume our audio, we are available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, CastBox, Radio Public, Spotify, Overcast, Pocket Cast, and
1: Breaker. Subscribe now. Let's talk about today's sponsor, Javi Coffee. Javi Coffee is the way I love to start off my morning. I work very, very hard for you guys to put out the best content possible. And I get my energy from Javi Coffee. Would you like to have that same energy that I have every single morning? Well, you should try Javi Coffee. And for you guys, you can actually get three bottles of Javi Coffee for only $16.95 per unit. Each bottle contains 30 servings. It will save you so much money from going to your local coffee shop. And by the way, folks, it actually tastes even better. You can use sugar. You can use mump fruit. I'm a low-carb person. I don't like the carbs. This is keto-friendly. And guys, it is super easy to make. Just put water in your cup, add one teaspoon or two teaspoons of Javi Coffee, mix it up, use whipped cream, sugar, monk fruit, whatever, and folks, it tastes absolutely amazing. So check out the link in the description or the pinned comment and get Javi Coffee Delivered to you today. Friends, let's face it, the future of America is looking worse each day. Those who are observing have the feeling that something really bad is going to happen soon. If it does, are you prepared? Do you have enough food, water, and other essentials to get you through tough times? If not, check out My Patriot Supply. They're the nation's number one preparedness company, and they've served millions of American families. Right now, you can save 25% off their popular four-week emergency food kit, which will keep you well-fed with four weeks worth of breakfast, lunch, dinner, drinks, and snacks, totaling over 2,000 calories a day. This food stays fresh for up to 25 years in proper storage, so it will be there when you need it. In fact, you may need it a lot sooner than that. So don't wait. Go to preparewithblackandwhite.com and claim your four-week emergency food kit. You'll save 25% if you act now. That's preparewithblackandwhite.com. Don't wait. Do it today.
2: You're tuning into Black and White Sports on YouTube. The no-holds-barred truth on sports.
0: The main event starts now. I'm back. Rodrants for Black and White Sports. Well, we suspected this would happen. Even when I made the video earlier talking about NFL fans being mad about the Black National Anthem playing last night. The fact is that anthem was played during the NBC kickoff pregame show. But it's clear when the game started, people tuned in to the NFL and they tuned in in a big way. Now, I think you've got two major factors that caused the ratings to be bigger than last year. And maybe a third ancillary factor, it didn't bother me so much last year, although I guess for some people, I have heard it took away from the experience. The real place it took away from the experience for me was college football, and that was the lack of fans due to the pandemic. Well, stadiums have got fans in it this year. It didn't impact me much last year. Uh, however, however, the NFL made sure they scheduled a absolute guaranteed ratings win. No matter what. They put America's team, the Dallas Cowboys, the most popular franchise in all of American sports, on opening night against America's quarterback, Tom Brady, the Super Bowl champion, the GOAT, the seven-time Super Bowl champion who played for the Patriots, now with the Bucks, They were celebrating the Super Bowl win last night before the game, and Roger Goodell, we all know intentionally, absolutely, they scheduled that game for that purpose. They knew, no matter what, it was going to be a big ratings win for the NFL. The other factor is, is the fact that so many states are now going to allow legal gambling in their state. Don't think that's not a major, major swing. Don't think that's not going to keep people's attention. The more and more states that become legal, football is going to be the main sport, the NFL, that people are going to gamble on. And we saw a reflection of that with the ratings. They just came out. And the ratings, the ratings are big. The ratings are big for the NFL from last night. Uh, we always want to be fair. The NFL kickoff game for NBC up sharply from 2020. In the latest TV ratings, NBC's Sunday Night Football presentation of Thursday night's NFL kickoff game between the Bucks and the Cowboys averaged 22 million total viewers. Wow. Up 29% from the preliminary numbers for last year's Chiefs-Texans matchup and also topping the early audience for the 2019 Packers-Bears opener. Last year's NFL kickoff went on to report 19.3 million viewers. So essentially, come hell or high water, This game is going to end up being up right right around 30% on viewership and up right around 3 million viewers. Again, I think people have changed some of their viewing habits around the NFL. But between gambling and between Roger Goodell absolutely scheduling a can't-miss game to make his ratings look good, some of his propaganda stuff, that he did in pregame and all of that, he insulated the NFL last night. Um, I'm going to be interested to see. Look, we've got Sunday night football. We got the Bears and the Rams, and I understand the Rams are opening that new stadium. But do the Rams really move the needle? Sure, the Bills have a nas- uh, the uh, the Bears have a national following. But Justin Fields is not starting that game. So I'm interested to see a comparison that will happen between Sunday night football last year and Sunday night football this year. I may be wrong, but I think the Giants and the Cowboys played on Sunday night football last year. So in my opinion, I think the ratings for Sunday night's game could actually be stagnant at best. But I don't know. I don't know. Okay, a lot of people may have come back this year. And again, Roger Goodell protected himself. He he did. He protected himself and in the and in, in his ratings reflection by scheduling a massive game. And yeah, let's be real, Cowboys Bucks is a much bigger game than Kansas City Chiefs, Houston, Texans. Ugh. So kind of a stinker last year, too, we might add. I'm back. Rodríguez for Black and White Sports. Well, we have a case of an ESPN employee that has gotten caught up in ESPN's vaccine mandate. That's right, the jab. Boy, there's a lot of those mandates going around all of a sudden in regards to the jab, Joe Biden. Well, we've made it very clear on this channel we feel like the jab decision is your personal decision. Your personal freedom for you to make with your family your medical doctor, whoever you feel like you need to make that decision with. And we don't feel like that's something that should be forced onto you as an individual in this United States of America. Well, we know ESPN passed some vaccine policies a while back. And this college football reporter has said, enough, I'm not doing it. Let's get to this story sideline reporter off of ESPN's college football coverage for not getting COVID vaccine. ESPN will be without longtime sideline reporter, Allison Williams from their college football coverage this season. And guys, she's been around a long time. Williams, who was noticeably absent from the start of the college football season announced she refused to get vaccinated against COVID-19. Last week, it was reported that Al Leiter and John Smotes were no longer in MLB's network studios after refusing the vaccine. Williams, however, becomes the first high-profile talent from ESPN to violate the company's vaccine policy, which mandates the jab for all on-site employees. Quote, while my work is incredibly important to me, the important role I have is as a mother. Bravo. Williams wrote in a statement on Twitter. Throughout, my f- throughout our family planning with a doctor as well as a fertility specialist, I have decided not to receive the COVID-19 vaccine at this time while my husband and I try for a second child. And this is her statement right here that she released on Twitter. Quote, this is a deeply difficult decision to make. It's not something I take lightly. Show continued. I understand vaccines have been an essential in the effort to end the pandemic. However, taking the vaccine at this time is not in my best interest. After, oh, and you won't hear a lot of people in the mainstream media say this. After a lot of prayer and deliberation, I have decided I must put my family and personal health first. I will miss being on the sidelines, and I am thankful for the support of my ESPN family. I look forward to when I can return to games and the job that I love. Disney, which owns ESPN, announced a COVID-19 vaccine mandate for all non-union employees last month. But ESPN was ahead of Disney's policy, having already issued their own vaccine mandate for employees who will be on site to ensure compliance with various leagues and conference protocols. Williams has been with ESPN since 2011 and moved to their Saturday college football coverage in 2016, teaming with play-by-play voice Bob Wuhausen and Dan Orlowski. Yeah, I know those guys. Not personally, but I know who they are. She has also worked on the network's lead college football broadcast crew, with Herb Street and Fowler. Yikes, that's a pretty good gig to have to walk away from. It's a shame that this woman, when she is trying to have a second child, is faced with a policy from her employer requiring that if you want to work for us, you have to take this jab that could, could, and I don't know, I'm not a medical doctor YouTube, but could impact, and evidently after consulting with her doctor, they felt like it could impact her wanting to have a second child. And you know what? Bravo to her for bringing up religion for once. You don't hear that a hell of a lot. In fact, anybody involved in sports, if I'm being real lately, Jason Whitlock is the only one I ever hear bring up anything to do with God, religion, prayer, etc., etc. It just doesn't happen. It's like the... I, I don't know. It's like something you're just absolutely not supposed to do. It's frowned upon, but you can bring up the damn BLM all day long. Isn't it funny how this society is working right now? And she gets caught in Disney and ESPN's mandates. And because of that, she has to leave a job that she you blatantly can tell this woman loves. And that's a good job. College football sideline reporter... And she's had some good gigs. I mean, obviously she's pretty good, or she would never get to get up there with Herb Street and Fowler, even if it's on an interim basis or a fill in basis. ESPN must be, at least from a talent standpoint, rather high on her capabilities. And if she's been there since twenty eleven, she's having to walk away from a long time gig. We knew this sort of thing would happen. Uh, we're starting to see it a little bit more and more. John Smoltz, Al Leiter got caught up with major league baseball. At least they didn't have to walk away from their immediate gig. They're at least able to do their jobs from home, but they won't allow them in the studios. So stupid. I mean, utterly ridiculous. I hate to see this. I think this should be a personal freedom choice. Something that she should be able to determine whether or not she wants to do and not run the risk of being without her employment to do so. Tell me what you think, black and white sports fans. Make sure you hit subscribe if you're new to the channel. Peace, I'm out. Till next time. Thanks for watching the show. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe.
2: Be sure to tune in next time on Black and White Sports. Are tuning into Black and White Sports on YouTube. The no holds barred truth
0: on sports. The main event starts now. I'm back, Rodrance for Black and White Sports. Well, the NFL returned last night, and Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers absolutely freaking delivered last night. They delivered with that comeback victory in the last 130, 124 of the game against the Dallas Cowboys, driving the Bucks down for a game-winning field goal. Look, I would uh, be irresponsible if I did not mention how good Dak Prescott looked last night. He looked fantastic. I think he's going to be good for the Cowboys this year. And Dan Quinn's defense, and I understand, I understand they gave up some points, but Dan Quinn's defense did show something to me last night in regards to maybe being able to get some turnovers, et cetera, et cetera, Well, Cowboys might be decent this year, okay? There's no doubt. They can score. And I thought it was a hell of a performance going into Tampa against the Super Bowl champs and nearly pulling it off. That was the great part about the NFL. It's always been the great part. And then here comes the shit stain in your draws of the NFL from last night. As we know, Roger Goodell said they're going to double down. On Social Justice, I can't wait to see the ratings because there were people on social media last night that acknowledged I was watching the game, and then I cut the game off, okay? Last year, I made a point. Tune in just for the game. Tune in for just for the game. And tune out. Get your pregame somewhere else. But don't tune in for the pregame festivities. I made a point to do that. And I made it through the season somehow, some way. Well... Last night, they busted out that Black National Anthem. Except, there's a National Anthem already for the country. You know, together. Black, white, yellow, brown, whatever ethnicity you choose to be or 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 were born as. Not what you identify as. What you were born as. Come on. Uh, anyway, social media was none too happy with the Black National Anthem. I was none too happy with this further attempt to segregate our country based on colors. I mean, Roger Goodell and Joe Biden seem to be the same person these days. Twitter rips into the NFL dual national anthem approach. God, I can't wait to see how bad the ratings might end up being for that game last night. Uh, I suspect they will be good, and I suspect it is why the NFL uh, put that opening opening game the way they did Cowboys, biggest brand in the sport, against the most popular quarterback in the sport, coming off of a Super Bowl win. They set it up where it was going to be very hard for the NFL to have a ratings loss. But we will find out, and we will do a video on it. Twitter rips into the NFL's dual anthem approach. This is from our guys at OutKick. Week one of the NFL season debuted with a matchup featuring America's team and America's champs. Before kickoff was underway between the Cowboys and Buccaneers, the league showcased their first dual anthem introduction by playing, quote, lift every voice and sing prior to the Star-Spangled Banner. Lift every voice originates from a 1905 poem by civil rights activist James Weldon Johnson. Now, two anthems and counting have been implemented, but the NFL and Roger Goodell's mission to lead an all-inclusive league has rubbed a number of fans the wrong way. I don't think anybody's got a problem with an all-inclusive league, but the the national anthem of the United States in itself is an all-inclusive anthem. Roger Goodell? Many see it as a form of pandering to the PC mob, comprised of lingering Kaepernick fan bases and those who supported last year's protesting following the death of George Floyd. After a summer of rampant racial protest in 2020, Goodell announced the decision to play the complimentary anthem before every league game. Quote, We, the National Football League, believes black lives matter. Without black players, there will be, there would be no National Football League, declared the commissioner. Guess what? There would be no league without white players as well. I'm just putting that out there. Uh, And everybody should identify there being one national anthem for all colors. He added, the protests around the country are emblematic of the centuries of silence, inequality, and oppression of black players, coaches, fans, and staff. Should be noted, Patrick Mahomes makes $450 million dollars. Reactions across Twitter panned the new Black National Anthem, calling the split ceremonies a blatant separation of festivities for white and black Americans and a slippery slope for more songs to be introduced rather than committing to an all-inclusive National Anthem. You know, the National Anthem. This guy says, hey, John Boy says, the at NFL is playing the Black National Anthem again. I guarantee you the ratings... Get even worse for them. And just like that, I'm out. Uh, Bart Plaster? I'm sorry, we don't need a black national anthem just for the black community. The national anthem is for everybody, no matter the race or color you are. Hashtag NFL. Is there a national anthem, not a black national anthem, and a white national anthem? Why are you trying to alienate huge portions of your fan bases and splitting the country along race lines? If I kneel, and this is a good point, if I kneel during the, quote, black national anthem, would I be in my right to protest or would I be a racist? Since there is a black national anthem, is there one for whites as well? Or is that also racist? Is it racist to even ask? Is it racist to even think about? I promise you, based on this video, I will get called a racist in the comment section. Did they just play the Black National Anthem to start the season? Time to change the channel. And look, there was a lot of that going on out there. And as always, we're going to respect your right to do whatever you feel is necessary to consume or not consume the NFL. And look, we don't blame you. We are going to cover the sport um, as best we can. But God, I'm going to remember to tune in late from now on. I'm going to tune in. As they're getting ready to kick off, I'm going to miss these pregame festivities, and it's going to be very interesting to see what networks choose to show this. That is a key part of the, uh, this whole scenario. The league can do it, but for example, some of these networks like Fox won't necessarily show it, okay, because they know, like last year, the the NFL rushed in with this social justice tirade, and essentially by week three, it was gone. It was gone. They backed out of it because the ratings took a hit, and it took uh, basically into the playoffs for the ratings to recover last year. Uh, after the way they started with this uh, separation, segregation of their fan base, it's ridiculous. We've got one national anthem in this country for all colors. I, can, I cannot stand. We're protesting against oppression in a league full of black millionaires and coaches, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Who's being oppressed exactly? I mean, really? Come on now. And, <laughs> last I checked, y'all are riding Cole Beasley's ass, and he's a white boy. Okay, come on now. It's ridiculous. Uh, if ever there was a league where things were, had a level playing field, it's the it's the NFL, for crying out loud. Man, if you want to talk about any league being racist, look at the NBA. <laughs> Tell me what you think. Fans are not happy about this at all. I guarantee you some of you guys are not happy about it either in the comments section, and people on social media was letting Roger Goodell and the NFL know it. Peace, I'm out. Till next time. Thanks for watching the show. Be sure to like, comment, and
2: subscribe. Be sure to tune in next time on Black and White Sports. You're tuning into Black and White Sports on YouTube. The no-holds-barred
0: truth on sports. The main event starts now. I'm back. Road for Black and White Sports this morning. Cam Newton promised he would come out on his official YouTube channel. Yeah, go subscribe, absolutely. Go over, subscribe to Cam Newton's channel. And he gave what he calls his Funky Friday, which is a sit-down, essentially, to shoot the S about things going on. And he promised he would address the Patriots releasing him, and he delivered this morning. He had his father on there, Cecil And I got to be honest with you, Cam would have come out looking a whole lot better maybe if his dad hadn't been on this thing. Uh, His dad, unfortunately, did try to make this about race at times, about him being a black quarterback. And to Cam Newton's total credit, he absolutely pushed back on that and said he did not believe that had anything to do with his situation in getting released from the Patriots. So I give Cam Newton credit for that. As you guys know, on this channel, on our other channel, we have been covering Mac Jones versus Cam Newton in training camp, in rookie mini camps ever since this started. And I've tried to be very fair to Cam because, look, Cam looked pretty good during training camp and during preseason. Now, he didn't look good during that last preseason game, but prior to that, he has showed out pretty well. Uh, number one, and there is an article with this because Pro Football Talk covered it as well. But number one, he said he absolutely did not feel like the vaccine had anything to do with this decision. Um, Look, Cam, it's great that you feel that way. I just disagree, okay? And it's not because you chose not to get the vaccine. Look, I respect the fact that you decided you didn't want to get it and you stuck to your guns. Absolute all the respect in the world for your choice on that, Joe Biden. But um, it also, I do believe, influenced their decision. Because let's be honest, with the protocols that the NFL has set forth, it absolutely affects his availability the way it's set up. Okay, Uh, And then Cam made another interesting comment. And I have to admit, I actually kind of agree with Cam on this in terms of whether or not they would have released him because of one simple fact. Him being a distraction, even being there, okay? Just his sheer presence, I guess, almost in the same way that uh, many people in the media like to claim Tim Tebow's this big distraction, which, by the way, he showed in Jacksonville, he absolutely wasn't. Now, I've got to be the first to tell you, Cam, uh, actually, I actually enjoyed liking, uh, I enjoyed listening to him talk. But don't address yourself in third person, okay? Multiple times in one sentence. I'm sorry. To me, in my opinion, that just doesn't make you look great. Um, You know, you're not the rock, okay? And even the rock, in my opinion, shouldn't address himself in the third person. Kim Newton promised to share his thoughts about his release from the Patriots with Funky Friday. Newton sat down with his father for a conversation on YouTube about his final days with the team and the day's of practice he missed after failing to follow the COVID-19 protocols, which by the way, um, Cam Newton said that the Patriots absolutely agreed that it was okay that he went and got a second opinion on this injury that he had and get something looked at. They had worked out some system for him to be able to get COVID testing. It seems that he did, but the league did not approve of the kind of COVID testing he decided to get. Or I guess the facility that he got it from is what I understand. I don't necessarily agree with the league taking that stance. Okay. Newton said he thinks he would have been released whether he was with the team for all of their practices or not. Quote, do I think this would have happened without me being away for five days? Honestly, yes. Newton said it was going to happen. Did it help ease the decision? Yes. That led to the question about why did he get released when the team made its final cuts on the 31st? Newton was getting fewer first-team reps than Mac Jones in practices. That's absolute fact, which pointed to the team's eventual decision. Newton said he would have absolutely been fine backing up the rookie and told the Patriots that was the case, but was confused when he realized that he was being released during the meeting with Belichick and Matt Patricia. Newton went on to say he believes he was released because it would have been uncomfortable for Jones to start his career with Newton looming over his shoulder. The reason they released me is because indirectly that was going to be a distraction without being a starter. Newton said just my aura. Okay. That's my gift and my curse. And this is where cam just loses me with some of this stuff. When you bring a cam Newton, to your facility when you bring a Cam Newton to your franchise, people are interested. Dude, third person thing. Cut it out, please. Newton said he thinks the Patriots would be winners with either quarterback, that sticking him and starting well would have made it harder to go to Jones. I agree with that. The Patriots opted to go with Jones, and Sunday's game against the Dolphins will provide the first chance to show. Mac Jones versus Cam Newton. And he's right about that. Had the Patriots, which by the way, I think the Patriots would have won games with either quarterback. I'm not going to kid you. I said last year um in their likes, you know, we've got this real Brady versus Belichick thing going on out there. And look, I think Bre- I think Belichick's a phenomenal coach. And the fact that he took that group and won 7 games last year Frankly, I think he overachieved. If that would have been some other coach, if that would have been, look, John Gruden, they might have won two games last year, honestly. Um, so I thought Belichick did one of his best coaching jobs, honestly, with the lack of talent they had on that team. Uh, so anyway, you get the point. Um, he said because of his aura <laughs> around him and Mac Jones, they decided to get him out of the building. Um I was looking. He had a lot of people in the in the live stream. I believe at one point I saw about thirty eight hundred watching, and uh, there were a lot of Cam fans in there. A lot of a lot of people thought it was about race. I can't imagine how you come up with that. I really don't. I think that's ludicrous. I think it's stupid, and I think Cam Newton recognized that just wasn't what happened here. Now he said, uh, "Does he think there's thirty two quarterbacks in football better than him?" I agree with Cam. I I don't agree with that either. Well, you know, in my opinion, I think Cam could start in Houston, for example. Do I think he's better than Tyrod Taylor? Yeah, I do, okay? And he's certainly better than most of the backups in the league. So I always try to be fair to Cam. Was he better right now and a better option than Mac Jones? Good God, no. Mac Jones showed Pure, unadulterated dominance in that Patriots offense. And I was really confused because uh, Cam said that there were things about the Patriots offense, which I have heard, that most teams in the league don't do. It's a very known, complex offense. Well, he was talking about mic checks and some other things like that that the quarterbacks don't do, and there's only a couple of offenses in the league. He's never done that before prior to getting to the Patriots And I thought it was routine at this point. Uh, I have never heard that at all, at least in recent years. I always thought the quarterbacks had the ability to make the checks and they taught that when they were, um, installing systems these days. So I was shocked by that. I don't know how much I actually buy into that, but Cam would know, I guess better than me. Maybe. Mm, I don't know. So, and let me address one other thing. Um, Unnamed sources. Oh, put your name on it. When when a story comes out, or everybody talks about unnamed sources. Well, some of the biggest stories in the history of anything were broken because of unnamed sources. I love how people want to dog the unnamed sources out. Well, you wouldn't get much news out there if everybody couldn't, you know, leak a little news out and don't get confused. It's people inside buildings. It's general managers, yeah, general managers, head coaches, assistant coaches, and players that leak shit out of buildings. I mean, Cam, come on, really? You know that. I'm sure you've leaked things. So stop that nonsense. Tell me what you think, black and white sports fans. I don't know that I buy the aura around him is why he was released. God, man. Sometimes, you know, it's it's odd. Part of this interview he was very had some real humility. And then there's other times you're like, man, you're a damn diva. I mean, I just don't I just don't get it, and I'm sure that is a turnoff to a lot of teams. Peace, I'm out. Till next time. Thanks for watching the show. Be sure to like, comment, and
2: subscribe. Be sure to tune in next time on Black and White Sports. Tuning into Black and White Sports on YouTube. The no holds barred
1: truth on sports. The main event starts now. All right, Black and White Sports fans, we need to talk about the NFL and the Black National Anthem yet again. My partner in crime on this channel, Rhodes, has already put up a video how the NFL got a lot of backlash for playing the quote unquote Black National Anthem. Now, we saw this last season. In the NFL, they played the Black National Anthem before the actual National Anthem. And folks, I'm going to say it again. We only have one National Anthem. And that's the Star Spangled Banner. The Star Spangled Banner is for everyone. And I believe when the NFL plays the quote unquote Black National Anthem, they're basically saying, you know what, guys? The Black National Anthem is for black people and the Star Spangled Banner Is for everybody else or just white people. It's being very, very divisive. And whoever came up with this idea in the NFL, they need to check themselves. They need to be called out. But Roger Goodell, he's the commissioner of the NFL. So I'm pretty sure he signed off on all of this. And folks, it's a disaster for the NFL. I don't like it. Now, I do like the song. I like the song itself as a song. But when it comes to using it to be more politically divisive, I don't like that. And that's what the NFL has done to this song. This song was never written to be any type of a national anthem. It was written at the turn of a century to honor Abraham Lincoln. Okay, but let's move on here. You guys know where we stand with the uh, quote unquote black, black national anthem. We only believe in one national anthem and we said that it is pretty divisive. And guys, we're not the only one that feels this way. Bill Maher has come out and blasted the NFL for playing the quote unquote black national anthem. Okay, he actually called it segregation. And he's right about that. Essentially, what the NFL is doing, they're promoting segregation. Now, this all, I believe, steers back to what they're teaching in the schools. Folks in schools now, man, they're teaching. Segregation among racial lines. That's what they're doing. I don't like it. And I believe that Bill Maher doesn't like it either. So let's go ahead. Let's dive into this, guys. Bill Maher rails against NFL over black national anthem is segregation under a different name. So let's go ahead. Let's read this article here on Fox News. Real-time host Bill Maher blasted the NFL for playing two national anthems at Thursday night's season kickoff between the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Dallas Cowboys. Marr began the show's panel discussion Friday night on the subject of education in America and how college campuses and classrooms have become a social justice factory, listing several instances across the country of teachers resigning because they felt more like political activists than actual educators, with one saying is pitting students against each other based on the color of their skin. And folks, that is what is happening. This is, you know, the dangers also of critical race theory. It's divisive and it promotes segregation. To me, when people say to me sometimes like, boy, you really go after the left these days. Why? Because you're embarrassing me. Marr explained. That's why I'm going after the left in a way you never did before, because you're inverting things that I am not going to give up on being liberal. This is what these teachers are talking about. You're taking children and making them hyper aware of race in a way they wouldn't otherwise be. And he's right on the money with that. This all starts in the classroom. And then from there, you start seeing society, corporations, you know, embracing all of the wokeness, uh, the race baiting, all of this stuff. Now he brings in the NFL to this. He continued, quote, I saw last night on the football game, Alicia Keys saying lift every voice and sing, which now I hear is called the Black National Anthem. Now, maybe we should get rid of our national anthem, but I think we should have One national anthem. I think when you go down a road where you're having two national anthems, colleges sometimes now have many of them have different graduation ceremonies for black and white separate dorms. This is what I mean. Segregation. You inverted the idea. We're going back to that under a different name. You see that here when you go down a road where you have two different national anthems, segregation. We're going back to that under a different name. Absolutely. He is 100 percent right on that. And I'm not a fan of this. I'm not a fan of this whatsoever. I mean, the whole entire country is not just uh, sports. I mean, I was absolutely shocked, you know, last year when I heard about. Different graduation ceremonies based on race. And now people are bringing back in the black national anthem in sports. And now the NBA didn't even do this. I mean, the NBA only plays the actual national anthem, but we know that the NBA has their own problems. But the NFL is being just as divisive as these colleges right here. They're saying, We're going to play an anthem for one group of people, and then we're going to play the other anthem at that. Now, we only one game in, guys, but. On these nationally televised games, they're going to continue to play lift every voice and sing. And we know that there's going to be players that will kneel for the actual national anthem. That's going to happen. We know that it may not be a bunch of uh, people now doing the past game. Between the Buccaneers and the Cowboys, I didn't see any players kneel for either anthem, even though we only have one anthem. But when it came to lift every voice and sing, uh, both teams were on the sideline. I believe their arms are in a lot. And when the national anthem was played, I don't think anybody knelt. But it's going to happen. We know it's going to happen where you're going to have players standing for lift every voice and sing because we know if you actually have players kneel for lift every voice and sing, let's say especially you have a white player kneels for lift every voice and sing, you know that he's going to be called out for racism. Oh, why you why can't you stand for the black national anthem? That's going to be the question. Now, I don't anticipate any white players kneeling for that song because we know the backlash would be immense. It would be super immense, and I'm pretty sure. None of the the white players want to deal with any of that. But when it comes to the national anthem, you're going to have uh, players kneel kneel for the national anthem, but stand for the black national anthem. It's extremely divisive. The NFL needs to cut this out, but they're going to continue to play this on their most high profile nationally televised games. And Bill Maher is right. This is segregation.
2: tuning into Black and White Sports on YouTube. The no-holds-barred truth on sports. The main event starts
0: now. I'm back. roadrance for Black and White Sports. Well, first, Laurel Hubbard in the Olympics. Transgender weightlifting. And now we have transgender fisticuffs. That's right. MMA fighting. A former Male, still a male. Come on. Former male going in the ring and beating on females. For lack of a better way of putting it. Let's just keep it real, okay? Uh, We have a transgender MMA fighter that won their debut. I always wonder, when we're talking about this stuff, why is it we never see woman transitions to male, woman transitions to male, joins men's MMA to fight? And I'm not saying it maybe hasn't happened, but why does it seem it's always the other way around where there seems like there's going to be a clear biological advantage? I I always wonder that. Uh, At least where you start seeing success being had. Let's put it that way. Transgender MMA fighter Alana McLaughlin spent several months looking for a female fighter to face off against for McLaughlin's first official MMA bout. Huh, I wonder why you would have such a hard time finding a female fighter. The 38-year-old fighter who competed male-slash-female gender reassignment back in 2016 went through an adversarial process to arrive to Friday's match against Celine Provost, a contest that debuted the second-ever transgender fighter in women's MMA history. The fight resulted in a second-round victory by McLaughlin via a rear naked choke. Born in West Columbia, South Carolina, a young McLaughlin had an early stint as a Division II sprinter at Newberry College. McLaughlin joined the military in 2003 and served for the U.S. Army Special Forces. For seven years after leaving the military and facing a decision to transition out of being a biological male at 33. McLaughlin pursued the world of MMA after Fallon Fox debuted the first mixed martial arts transgender fighter in 2011. Fox's first official victory came against Alicia Helsper in by by TKO. The world of mixed martial arts, notably the UFC, this is uh, interesting to note, Dana White is saying no, has been resistant towards introducing transgender competitors over the competitive advantages posed by transgender women's heightened levels of testosterone. After Friday's win against Provost McLaughlin remains persuasive over of more opportunities to enter the octagon, Right now, after following in Fallon's footsteps, commented McLaughlin's paying homage to Fox, I'm just another step along the way. It's my great hope that there will be more followed behind me. If we want to see more trans athletes, if we want to see more opportunities for trans kids, we're going to have to work a way to get in those spaces and make it happen. Well, number one, how about we leave kids and trans anything separately? I'm sorry, but until you're 18 years old, You know, you shouldn't be allowed to be making any kinds of decisions involving things that alter your gender. That's just my opinion. I don't care if anybody likes that or not. I'm not ashamed of that opinion, not even for a solitary millisecond. Uh, I'm not. And again, I think it's interesting. You heard what this article said from Outkick that Dana White and the UFC is resistant. And why? For the most obvious reason. Elevations and testosterone level are in this case of Alana McLaughlin, used to be a U.S. Special Forces uh, Army participant that is now in the ring going against females. Okay, I I'm sorry, I don't really I don't really get down with this. Um, any which way you cut it, to me, this is still a male fighting a female. So congratulations, you're getting in the ring in the octagon. And you're beating the shit out of a woman. Man, that just doesn't seem uh, brave, stunning, or heroic in you know in my terms. And who knows? I'm sure this person can beat the crap out of me. But I'm no MMA fighter either, okay? Um, for crying out loud. That just seems like a true physical, physiological, I mean, disadvantage for the female that's getting in a fighter with somebody that's recently or is a male. I don't care how you slice it. Uh, tell me what you think, black and white sports fans. If I'm being unfair, you can tell me. I don't believe I am, and I won't be convinced otherwise, but you get my point. I, I don't see why this is to be uh, celebrated in any way. It seems like a competitive advantage issue. It seems like, at least in the case of, for example, Laurel Hubbard, she, uh, she or he couldn't beat the males, so he decided to go beat up on the girls. I'm just saying. Peace. I'm out till next. Thanks for watching the show. Be
2: sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Be sure to tune in next time on Black and White Sports. You're tuning into Black and White Sports on YouTube. The no holds barred truth on sports. The main event starts now.
1: All right, black and white sports fans, let's talk about the Houston Texans because we are on the eve of the first full slate of games for week one of the 2021 NFL season. And Tyrod Taylor has been announced as the starting quarterback for the Texans for week one. Not a surprise, but however, since we're only one day away from the first full week of games outside of the uh, Thursday night game, Deshaun Watson is still on the Houston Texans. He is actually on the active roster. Okay, now we know that he's dealing with a whole bunch of legal stuff. And also Deshaun Watson doesn't want to be in Houston. Now, this is the man that signed a massive contract with the Texans uh, last season. And now he wants out of there. However, he doesn't seem to be very, very tradable with all of the legal stuff. That's actually going on with him. So, guys, we actually know now officially that Deshaun Watson will not be active during week one. It says here, as indicated by head coach David Culley earlier this week, Deshaun Watson has now been officially ruled out of Sunday's opening game with a non-injury related designation. Tyra Taylor has been named the Texans week one starter. There you have it. It is completely official. Deshaun Watson still on the Texans, but he's not only at the roster for this week. And apparently this is going to be an ongoing thing week after week after week. He's going to be with the Texans. And this is probably why, guys, according to Florio here, NFL isn't taking action against Deshaun Watson because it doesn't have to. And you know what? Mike Florio may be onto something with this, because if the Texans keep deactivating Deshaun Watson week after week, he's still going to get paid. So essentially, the Texans have put him on an exempt list, and the NFL can just sit back and do nothing. And I believe this is a massive, massive mistake by Roger Goodell. I do. It says here many have asked when and if the NFL will place Texans quarterback. Deshaun Watson on the commissioner's exempt The easy answer and the right one is that the league won't even consider it until it has to. Per a source with knowledge of the situation, the league hasn't made a decision about Watson because it doesn't have to make a decision about Watson. With the Texans content to pay him to not play, and we just saw that, and with Watson content to not play and get paid for it, The NFL has no reason to do anything about it. He's already on paid leave. And this is a big mistake by Roger Goodell. So he's letting the Texans do all the dirty work, all all the dirty work, I should say, and he's not going to do anything. Nothing. This is ridiculous, man. The allegations against Deshaun Watson are disgusting. The league... Needs to do something. That's why they have the example list. This is ridiculous, Roger It Doesn't make any sense. He goes on here, says it's a lesson for the, the NFL learned through past mistakes. Taking action always puts the league in a position to make a mistake. Taking no action leads to no mistakes. At least not those of commission. Wrong. That's why you have the example list. The NFL is not passing judgment on anybody by putting them on the, the exemplus players can still get their money still get paid. And when their legal issues are resolved, then they can come back to the league or, um, you know, do that suspension or whatever. Roger Goodell is making a mistake. The NFL is making a mistake by not putting Watson on the exemplus. And it says here, and that's the other side of this one. If and when the Texans trade Watson, the league will have to look at whether he should be placed on paid leave. That's a risk that Watson's new team would be assuming, along with everything else arising from 22 civil lawsuits, alleging misconduct and 10 criminal complaints. Well, guys, if he gets traded to another team. There's no way that he's going to play for that new team, because once he gets traded, and if the team says, oh, we want to play him, that would be a huge black eye to the league. And the NFL will have to step in and say, no, we're going to put you on the exemplars. They should be doing that right now. And it goes on, it says the league, as the source reiterated, doesn't tip his hand when it comes to what it may or may not do when it comes to the placement of players on paid leave or the potential potential imposition of discipline. Thus, for the Dolphins or anyone else. It's another factor that the team would be trading for Watson's needs to consider. Once he prepares to play, the NFL will then decide whether to make a decision about whether to let him play. Now, guys, if he's traded, do you guys really think the NFL is actually going to let this man play? I don't see how in the world they would actually let this man play. Not with all these legal allegations. There's a bunch of people out there. You know the backlash from the fan base? Would be massive. It would be massive. And you, know, and you know what? That's probably why. Also why I believe that uh, the trigger has been pulled on a trade. I do believe that teams are interested in him, you know, from a talent standpoint. But imagine a the backlash they would get if they actually did play Deshaun Watson. That's just my thoughts on this. What do you guys think of this? Black and white sports fans. So Deshaun Watson will not be put on the exempt list. The NFL is just going to sit on their laurels and just wait and not make a move until they have to. Essentially the Texans are doing all of the dirty work for the NFL. Anyway, guys, let us know what you think about all this in the comments. Make sure you subscribe to black and white sports and we'll catch you next time.
2: Thanks for watching the show. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Be sure to tune in next time on Black and White Sports. You're tuning into Black and White Sports on YouTube. The no-holds-barred truth on sports. The main event starts now.
1: All right, Black and White Sports fans, let's talk about Jackson State head coach prime time. Oh, I'm sorry. Coach Deion Sanders, because I we got to call him coach, you know, because Dion, he's been p- pretty triggered about people not showing him respect and calling him coach, coach Dion, coach Sanders. I don't know exactly what he wants to be called, but you cannot call him Deion Sanders anymore. You can't call him primetime anymore because he has been triggered by that. And he considers it to be disrespectful because he is now a head coach. You know, he's not a football player anymore. He's not really a um, I guess you could say a media personality. He isn't about prime time anymore, he's about being a head coach. And he wants people to respect him like that. But the problem is, guys, we have known Dion Sanders as Dion or Primetime for the better part of over 30 years. I mean, when Dion was on the field, it was a show. I mean, the man shut down half of the field. The man is one of the greatest football players of all time. So, I mean, I've been around for over 40 years. And when I watch football and I see Dion, that's Dion. I messed it up again. Coach Sanders, I'm sorry. You see the problem here? But uh check this out, guys. Dion Sanders compares title of coach to that of a doctor. Interesting. It says here on OutKick, we all know Deion Sanders really, really wants everyone to call him coach. In July, the Jackson State coach and NFL Hall of Famer infamously walked out of SWAC Media Day after the reporter didn't address him as coach. Instead, the the reporter called him by his name instead of his job title. Sanders was on ESPN's First Take Friday and explained why he wants to be called coach claiming being called by the title was a matter of respect and compared it to calling a doctor by his, by his or her title, Yahoo Sports Reports. Dion explains why he insists on being called coach. I've never stood for foolishness, so why would I stand for it now? My doctors are such and such, and such doctor such, such and such. The nurses are nurse such and such. Other teachers are Mrs. and Mr. Sanders said, despite the educational differences of a medical doctor and Sanders went through to prepare for their respective career paths. Sanders said that the reporter calling him by his own name was an attempt to belittle him. Quote, to call someone by their name to try to belittle what I've accomplished and what I've worked for. That's just not right. And I wasn't going to stand for it. Sanders said. So, wow. So he is comparing what he's doing to a medical professional. Now, this is the problem, guys. I've heard other coaches be called by their name. Let's just talk on Bill Belichick, you know, arguably the greatest head coach of all time when it comes to football. I've heard Tom Brady call Bill Belichick, Bill Belichick many times. I mean, I'm pretty sure that he has called him coach, but I've, I've heard Tom Brady's call him Bill many times. Troy Aikman, I've heard him call Jimmy Johnson Jimmy many times. But the problem is, man, Deion Sanders was such a great player that it's kind of hard to see the difference between, you know, Coach Sanders and primetime. I mean, we have been calling Deion Sanders, Deion Sanders or Deion or primetime For decades, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, this is his first year at Jackson State. We're still getting used to it. Now, I don't think that the reporter was trying to belittle him by calling him by his name. I mean. His mama named him Dion. I'm calling Dion, you know, but I, I get where Dion's coming from, though. I get that. I just don't think that the reporter was trying to belittle him. I mean, Dion. Is in a different spot from other coaches. I mean, for the most part, when you're talking about head coaches, even like in the NBA, for example, a lot of head coaches weren't great players. They weren't. I mean, it's rare. It can happen. But for the most part, a lot of coaches were just some um, middle of the road guys that a lot of people really didn't know. But Deion Sanders was all time great. And you know what? Dion is to blame for everybody calling him Dion. Or Deion Sanders, a primetime. I mean, the man put on a show. This demand had the jerry curl, had to look good. I mean, he made the do-rag popular. He wanted to be cool. I mean, he was Deion Sanders. He created that. Now he's going into a different path. He's expecting people to not call him Deion anymore. That's going to be tough for a lot of people. I'm, I'm sorry. I mean, that's just the way it is, man. It's going to take a lot. You know, people in the media have been calling him Dion for decades. Now he's a head coach. I get it. He wants to respect, um, comparing it to a doctor. Um, I don't know because think it is Shaquille O'Neal has a doctorate de- degree. Nobody calls him doctor and he's not offended by it. But if you're talking about medical doctor, yeah, I mean my doctor, you know, I call him, I call him doc, you know, but I get where Dion's coming from. but uh, He shouldn't be triggered by this. He really, really shouldn't. I don't believe that anybody's trying to belittle him whatsoever. That's just my thoughts on this. What do you guys think of this? Black and white sports fans, let us know what you think about all this in the comments. Make sure you subscribe to Black and White Sports and we'll catch you next time.
2: Thanks for watching the show. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Be sure to tune in next time on Black and White Sports. You're tuning into Black and White Sports on YouTube. The no-holds-barred
0: truth on sports. The main event starts now. I'm back. Rodrants for Black and White Sports. Well... This is one of those times when you don't have anything else to say or any other excuses. As always, somebody will call racism in out of the bullpen. Yeah, and this time it makes absolutely no sense at all. Of course, lately, let's be honest, does it really make a lot of sense any other time? Usually no, and this is one of those times. Pedro Martinez, that's right, the Hall of Fame pitcher? Awesome pitcher, great pitcher for the Boston Red Sox has come out and claimed he lost a Major League Baseball most valuable player race to Ivan Rodriguez because of racist baseball writers. Now, I'm going to point some things out in this article and you're going to be like, what? Number one, one of the writers he's accusing of this was black. That's right. Oh, boy. Absolutely ridiculous. It should also be noted, the other thing I'm going to point out, is the other people that were up for the award were also minorities. You can't make this kind of stupidity up, folks. You cannot. Let's get to this. Pedro Martinez claims he lost the Major League Baseball MVP race to Ivan Rodriguez because racist baseball writers. Wow. At his peak, Pedro Martinez might have been the most dominant pitcher ever. He was deserving of an American League MVP award honors in 2000, and he was stiffed of the award in 99. Martinez led the league in wins, strikeouts and ERA recording numbers that were unheard of, especially in the midst of the slugging steroid error. For whatever reason, two writers left Martinez off of their MVP voting ballots. I can tell you exactly why, effectively voiding him of the award. Martinez, however, offered one possible reason. They were racist. This is crazy. Quote, you don't want to say you racist, but sometimes you have to think. There are people that are racist. Martinez told his former teammate David Ortiz and Jared Cabarrus a barstool. Quote, because how can you give votes to people that didn't belong in MVP contention to just harm someone individually? And I had nothing against those two guys. I've always been a professional. Except I'm not acting like one now, are you, Pedro? The 1999 LA MVP race re- featured five minorities at top vote getters. Ivan Rodriguez won the award. Martinez was second. Followed by Roberto Alomar, Manny Ramirez, and Rafael Palmero. George King of the New York Post and Lavelle E. Neal the third of the Minneapolis Star Tribune, he is a black man, by the way, are the two writers who omitted, Mar- omitted Martinez from their 99 LA MVP ballots. Quote, MVP is for everyday players. I agree. Sorry, folks. Pitchers have their own award, King said. It's called a Cy Young. Said at the time, in defense of his decision, although King reportedly gave MVP votes to David Wells and Rick Helling, The year prior. Yikes. Rick Helling, really quote. I don't know why two persons like that would have just picked on one single person. Martinez continued on the barstool podcast. Call him poppy to just do that, to be that bad out of 20 places they have each one of them. They couldn't give me a 19th place vote. Baseball writers have been known to flex their muscles in the past. When it comes to award voting, if players stiffed them on interviews or made them their jobs as journalists difficult in any way, some writers would be vindictive with their award ballots. That's why Albert Bell isn't in Cooperstown. Are you kidding me? Albert Bell shouldn't sniff the Baseball Hall of Fame. Sorry. And why Jim Rice had to wait 15 years before getting inducted into the Hall of Fame. I will totally concede Jim Rice should have made it before then. There's no question some writers have an agenda when it comes to award voting, but to call them out for racism while the top five vote getters were minorities might be a tough sell. It's downright a no sell. No sell at all. Guys, this is what you get from woke baseball athletes who think they're getting shited for racism. You get idiot takes like this. And this guy believes that these writers, one of which that was black, going against all other minority candidates, they were racist because he did not get a vote. Throughout history, we have heard many journalists say if they are voting for a baseball MVP, it will not be a pitcher. Okay, that is actually pretty common. I've heard it my entire life as a baseball fan. Some writers will not do it. Do I think there might be extreme cases where a pitcher deserves a vote? Maybe, but I don't necessarily agree with it either. I would always tend to lean towards an everyday player than a guy that shows up and pitches in the fourth or fifth spot or sixth spot in a rotation, depending on the team. And I just, generally speaking, would not give that player an MVP vote. It would be an everyday player like Avon Rodriguez, a guy that played catcher Pudge, okay, and was a great catcher. Uh, Rafael Palmero before the whole I'm going to sit down before Congress thing was a great player, and look, for him, if he is lobbying for Albert Bell, Joey Bell, Joey Albert Bell, that Bell, he's out of his mind, and that tells you I'm not sure he has a a comprehension on the players that should be in the Hall of Fame anyway. Look, I understand he's got some home run numbers that are impressive, but during the steroid era, I mean, come on, a lot. there was a lot of batters. I mean, Brady Anderson, I believe, hit, what, 53 one year during the steroid era? I mean, come on. Uh, look, in no way, shape, form, or fashion do I even buy for a millisecond that these baseball writers did not vote for Pedro Martinez because of his skin color when these other candidates were minorities. That's absolutely ludicrous. Now, Pedro Martinez makes himself look bad because he looks like a race baiter and he needs a sad excuse because he didn't win the award and he's butthurt. So he does what? He pulls the race card. God, I liked Pedro, too. Even as a Yankees fan, I liked Pedro. This ridiculous. Tell me what you think, black and white sports fans. Peace. I'm out. Till next time.